Okay, ready? I'm what, ready. What's funny? I want to make sure you're all ready. Are you sitting around? You, you want to get a running start? Well, I have to with you. It's it's so hard to catch up. Yeah. Are you okay? Are you sitting erect? I am actually. Okay, How ready? do you know? Can you see me? <laughs> I got a new webcam. I thought I forgot I pre-ordered. Mm. I look really good. It goes up. It goes up to 4K, <laughs> so you can really get in there. Yeah, no, I've uh-huh. got a 4K webcam as well. Just so you can just really see how bad the lighting is in this room. Oh God, it's it looks great when I do it at home and terrible at my office that has nice lighting. Uh, Opal, this company. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know about it. Okay. It's the hipster camera, right? It, yeah, I, I guess. Sure. Yes, yes, it is. It is. Okay, <laughs> so you're sitting erect and ready. Um, um, you don't you don't use AirPods. Pro, right? You don't like having stuff in your ears? Is that right? I do not like the uh whatever the, the little worms, the SETI eels. I don't like them in my ears. Something's happened, John. I used to think I had what's the word? Equal, equidistant, that I used to have like matching <laughs> ears. Mm-hmm. And suddenly my right AirPods Pro slips and moves and sometimes falls out. And it's with the same kind of cover. I think the little cover only goes on one way. Could you please diagnose me from a distance? And it says I've got a good seal, right? Whole nine. I've done the photos. Mm-hmm. I've done it all. Uh, can you can you tell me why my AirPod keeps falling out of my ear? Is, am I changing? Is it hair? What is it? When you said that you used to have ears that were the same and now you don't, I thought what you were going to say is that you've realized that one of your ears functions worse than the other in terms of oh, hearing. Oh, yeah. Well, I run the, what's called an Enneagram or whatever. I mm-hmm. use that app where it, uh, it customizes. <laughs> what, what is it called? I don't know. It's <laughs> some kind of a gram. Okay. All right. Uh, no. Yeah, but there's a, there's a thing you can Mimi. I think it's called. There's anyway. There's a couple different apps that'll like run you through a hearing test, which seems. Yep. Eh, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it, it feels like you know spray on science, but and it tells you okay, this year has this profile, and then you can run run that in your. Mm-hmm, in your phone. So that's what I thought you were going to say, but no, you're actually having a fit issue. I think my hole's increasing. I mean, I think you know. So this is. I think this is just part of the aging process. Like. What, oh part, uh, you know the uh, I mean, i'm really having a lot of that process lately. yeah no, so but this is un, under the under the theory uh pretty well-founded theory that um your ears keep growing right we are attracted to uh, uh symmetrical beings because symmetry indicates uh genes that are working as intended bilateral symmetry or whatever like that if your genes are damaged or you're injured in some way, or your, your body didn't form correctly, that means you're asymmetrical. So that's why we find symmetrical faces more beautiful than asymmetrical faces, symmetrical people more beautiful than asymmetrical people. Symmetry yeah. is desirable mm-hmm. to us because the people who are not attracted to symmetry had slightly less chance of their genes being passed on, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh-huh. there's symmetry for you, right? And as you age, I think whatever symmetry you had starts oh. to degrade because your genes start to get crappier and your body starts to fall apart. And so I think it's perfectly plausible that one of your ears has, let's say, settled more yeah. than the other one. Kind of like an old house where one side of it is just sinking down because some wood is just rotting and bending over there. Uh-huh. That's happening to your ear. So yeah, oh you're becoming more asymmetrical God. and thus less beautiful because, you know, it's one of yes. the things that we all have to know. Have, you, have you ever heard me talk about this before, John? I, I've, I've tried to say to the youngs, because, you know, one continues. The older one gets, the more one wants to try and tell young people something that they mm-hmm. have don't have ear, so to speak, ears to hear. <laughs> and one of those is that one of the great tragedies of life that I feel like I was not prepared for. I knew, oh, I'm going to get old and ha-ha, I'll get a walker. I could really use a walker right now. But, mm-hmm. but the thing is, one of the things I felt unprepared for was the loss of symmetry. 
And that could just be the symmetry of, huh, I realized this, well, let's not talk about toes, but like this hand looks different <laughs> from that hand or there's an injury on, yeah. you know, like cricket on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is always injured on the same side, right. uh, which is kind of a weird thing, but it's very funny and that actor's terrific. Yeah, got, I've got this pain in all the diodes down my left hand side. Yes, but the but that symmetry causes a kind of, if you like, existential limp. And uh, and I don't think they tell you about that. And you realize, like, oh, I tend to pick up things with this arm, not that arm now. Or, like, the healing of my left knee is taking mm-hmm. a lot longer than I expected. I might be cricket. I tend to get knee, ankle problems and so forth on my left side. And I, maybe I should see a chiropractor for that. He could give me an enneagram for my limp. What? How do you think that sport is spelled? Well, there's some kind of a gram. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enneagram might, I think that's either something, forgive my saying, I don't want to be ableist. That might be something from a cult, but I think it's one of those personality test things. Oh, I'm well, you, you, realize, you realize what it sounds like to me, though, when you say that. Well, it's because I'm from Ohio. It sounds like your electronic knee, which is how how you say the word A-N-Y. Any. Well, no, you never say that. What you say is the letter E and then the word knee. I say long E. So you say eeny. Yeah, so you want eneogram, you know, oh. you don't want you, you don't want a specific eneogram. Any oh. eneogram will be fine. I'm looking now at the website for something called the Ene, Ene, Eneogram <laughs> Institute registered trademark. And it looks like they got a beautiful facility. How oh, how the system works. Um covers the basics you'll need to understand how the eneogram works. You'll so be especially... you're reading it on a page. Spell it for me now, please. E <laughs> All right, go ahead. Letter E. Echo, Foxtrot, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Echo, Echo, November, November, Echo, Alpha, Golf, Randy, American, (laughs) Muscles. Just E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Is R R radar? What is R? R R is uh, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Golf Hotel. Radar. I, I think it might be radar. Yeah, all right. Huh. I thought you were going to say before for the advice to young people. I saw this on some television program. It might have been an interview with a real old timey actor, or it might have been a fictional old timey actor, or whatever. It was like an old. It was an older actress, and she was saying like one bit of advice you can give to young women who are in the industry. And it's just like imagine like an old bitter uh, actress uh, who's past her prime, so she, maybe she's like fifty years old. <gasps> Dunno. Uh, in, in, oh, in, like, in like the forties, right? And so she's she's in black and white or whatever. And says, "What's one bit of advice you'd give to the young stylists for today?" And it's her two word advice, her two word withering advice as she puffs away on her very long skinny cigarette. And the two words are, "Beauty fades." Ooh. Beauty fades. I think I about think that a lot. Beauty. I mean, beauty. not not that it applies to me because I didn't really have much of anything. But like for the, for all the the the, uh, the all the energy and activity that goes on in this world around beauty, and I just I just see the words hovering over the air, just like floating, like those big titles from uh from that show. What was that show? Uh, the show with the parallel Pop-up, universes. Pop-up video. No, the show with the parallel universes with the Stargate guy who ate tomatoes in oh. Lord of the Rings. Oh my God, it's gonna kill me. Jason knows it right now if he's listening. Uh, um, Carl Urban. Uh, I'll get it in a second. Anyway, beauty fades. Yeah, well, beauty. You know, something John Keats said. I think I don't know if somebody said about beauty alter. I think beauty, uh, beauty evolves. But there are certain things, and we're going to get into a lot of trouble here. I think there are certain things that you can have on your side. I'm going to say one of them is good bones. My my lady friend happens to have great bones to hang, on which her face hangs. <laughs> and I think good bones help a lot. And you hear people talk about stuff like, oh, uh, you know, uh, I don't feel great about my chin or my whatever. And, you know, everybody's got their things they're sensitive about. 
And, uh, you know, understandably. But uh, I, I think, it, yeah, you know, she might be right. She probably shouldn't smoke, huh? You think? Beauty Fades. Fringe Beauty? was a television show. Fringe. Fringe. Is that Nathan Fillion? Uh, no. Who was, who was Nathan the, Fillion? It was a J.J. Yeah. Abrams thing. It had Joshua Jackson. And oh. who was the... Who was the... Oh, you're Percy, the J- Percy Jackson you're thinking of. John hmm. Noble. John Noble hmm. was the uh, eating tomatoes in Lord of the Rings. Oh, is, is that in the Hobbit scene that goes yeah, on so forever? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, in the Fringe television show, they have these title sequences where they're doing an establishing shot of New York City and floating in the sky above New York City would be giant sort of like chrome letters, each of <gasps> which is the size of a city block that would yes. say New York. And oh would... my God, John, we have a running joke about that. My kid and I have a running joke about that. I think of it as being about What's the one Star Wars movie where they keep going to different planets and then they put up the planet? But the real one is Rogue um, One. <sighs> Ugh, she she rebels. That was just titles though. These were like floating in the yeah. air. So this oh, so just picture that. But about, the words. you know the one that got me though was what was the bad one? Age of Ultron, and they would put up on the screen in giant size humanists like big block letters. You know, it would say New York City or whatever. And so now. You know, the, it's not that funny, but my kid and I turned to each other and go, oh, I wonder where they are right now. And uh-huh. it's a very much, I, yeah, I, you know what? I rewatched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy over the weekend and I, I still love it very, very much. Good opening. Maybe one of the best openings of a Marvel movie ever. The first opening or the, you mean the kick in the frog or the mom? The mom. Oh God. Brutal. Brutal. And then, um, yeah, they do that with planets. It doesn't bother me at all. You know, and I think it's gorgeous when they go to that nowhere place. He's a real nowhere man where they mm-hmm. go and then everybody gets drunk gambling. That's a lot of fun. And I'd explain to my wife why it's so funny that Rocket's not a raccoon. To really appreciate Rocket, his name is not Rocket Raccoon. His name is Rocket. Mm-hmm. And he is a tragic, like hideous lab experiment made on another planet who just happens to look exactly like a bipedal raccoon. Mm-hmm. And it drives him crazy. It makes me think about a lot of things, John. Maybe do I not know that I'm not what I seem? I just happen to look like this thing. You know what I mean? Talk about mm-hmm. aging, altering age poorly. I mean, you know, I, I used to look like Michael Palin, and now now I look Still, like a, now, now you look like Michael Palin. Well, I look like a bag of Michael Palin's parts. No, but that's what Michael Palin looks like now. He looks great. He looks so good. Well, he doesn't look that good. He's really old. He looks pretty good. I mean, uh, Richard Attenborough looks pretty good too. We were watching Jurassic Park and that made me think that's got one of the Attenboroughs. And then that made me think about there's a really good new um, show on Apple TV where it's like planet earth, but with dinosaurs and it's narrated by him. He's like, he's like 96. He's still kicking, mm-hmm. but you know, he's, he's got English teeth, but we don't talk about that. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com. You can just go to it on your home computer device, and then you'll see it. It's Squarespace. It's the best. It's an all-in-one platform for building your brand and for growing your business online. And you get to stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage with your audience and sell anything, whether that's your products, your services, or the stuff that you make. It's all there on Squarespace. They got you covered. There's so much you can do with Squarespace. I, I'm just going to grab a few of these because like, there's so many things you can do with Squarespace. Well, you know, this is one they didn't have when I was starting on Squarespace. This is new to me. You can use insights, okay, to grow your business. So if you've ever wondered where your site visits and sales are coming from and which channels are the most effective, well, you can analyze all of that in Squarespace. And that, that's amazing. That used to be a whole different thing. Amazing. 
Once you got your data, you, you can improve your website and, and you build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or, you know, your most popular products and, and content, or as I like to say, stuff you make. Now, now back to that for a sec here. Did you, you know you can sell products in your own Squarespace online store? Another thing that was not there when I started using Squarespace in, I think, 1948, whether you're selling physical or digital goods, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. It's all right there at Squarespace. You know, it's, a, it's amazing. You know, this is what I have a soft spot for. You, you, can, you can have a blog. Isn't that nice? You can still have a blog. I, I used to have a blog. Now I, I, I don't even know how to log in anymore. That's how, that's how blog I am at this point. But, but, you know, the important thing to know is that Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. That sounds like a blog. You'll be able to categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. Or as I like to say, the stuff you make, you can make it work for you. Uh, I, I'm a user of Squarespace. I use it, I use it real often uh, because that's where we host the Roderick on the Line podcast. This is not an advertisement for that, but got some personal sites there. You, you know what I miss is doing the uh, the Ungainly X-Man meetup. That was a page that I did on Squarespace. And I'll tell you a secret. They didn't tell me to say this. I, I would keep the text of that page in a markdown file, a .md file. I would update it locally, make sure I liked it. Do you know Squarespace will let you paste in some markdown? It's really cool. It's the best. I, You know, two thumbs up all my thumbs up to Squarespace. So do me a favor right now. Go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. That's going to get you a free trial with new credit card required. And when you're ready to launch your Squarespace site, please use our extremely special offer code diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Because that's going to save you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain, squarespace.com slash diffs. And once again, when you uh, decide to sign up, use our offer code diffs. That'll get you 10% off your first purchase. And it will, I promised myself I wouldn't cry. And it'll show you your support for a little guy named John Craig Syracuse. He lives in Massachusetts and he's unemployable. So, so if you click the link, I, I think it'll help him. What I can tell you is I know it'll help you because Squarespace is the best to get my official okie dokie. Squarespace.com slash diffs. Use our offer code diffs for 10% off. And our thanks to Squarespace for just being you. And, and for supporting, you know, reconcilable differences in all of Relay FM. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Reconcilable Differences. We're back again <laughs> to talk. John and I are going to talk about our lives and and your life. And, and don't don't we have some thank yous to extend, John? Sure. Uh, by the time you hear this episode, the shirt sale will be over. As we're recording it, the shirt sale is not over. But by the time you hear this, it will be over. So mm. th- thanks to everybody who bought a shirt. Uh, like I said, this is it, it's. The most important thing about the sale for us is the idea that there are people out there wearing one of our shirts and sort of the this very slim possibility that we might actually see someone in real life one day wearing one of our a lot, silly lot t-shirts. Of our, a lot of our listeners don't don't leave, uh, you know, where they where the that, computer that's is. That's fine. That's fine too. It's but, fine. Uh, you you can have on Zoom calls. People say, "What's like, that?" You know, that's you know. Yeah. It, thanks to everybody who who bought a shirt. Thank uh, you so thanks much. Thanks to everybody who is a relay member who supports our show. That's all great stuff. It really helps us. Uh, to continue to make this silly thing and the shirts are fun uh and i ordered a bunch of them too um and so hopefully we'll you know have some fun shirts in the family i need um do, do you have any more codes i need I do I have th- two more codes oh left. can i have one well i was gonna ask for two if i can get one I need, I need to get gilbert a shirt don't you think gilbert godfrey yes didn't he pass away he did but it'll go to his estate and they'll they'll maybe the duck can wear it for events yeah. All right. I, well, we'll talk after the show. I was really? going to. Okay. I did. I did a last round of frame game last night. Monday. You did Iron Giant. It made me so happy. Yeah. Uh, you said the word it, Superman, and I and my insides cried a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. He's you know he's also on, he's also Groot. The the guy who plays the giant is also Groot in the Guardians Vin, of the Galaxy. Vin Diesel. You know. Is it Vin Diesel? He likes apparently he likes D and D. I heard. Yep, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but just to repeat what John said because that's the kind of thing that I do. Uh, think uh, like like jokes have left the room. Uh, thank you so much to everybody. Uh, people, more people ordered short shirts than I expected. I I hope the VAT tax is not confusing. I'm really, I hope everything goes well. I like working with this company because I think they're very competent. Not only do they offer full stack t-shirt service, which is the only kind of t-shirt service with which I will be involved. I think they do a good job. I hope everybody gets the shirts and is happy, gets the right blend. I hope it's not like my hypercritical shirt, which, uh, which, which, like I say, it feels like if Catholicism was a garment. Um, it's a very, very unpleasant shirt. I like, your, I like your anti-cotton agenda has been obvious from the beginning. You think I don't like cotton? Apparently can, you don't. So that's what that shirt is another, made out of. Can you get it in other, could other grains? Could I get it made, made from corn? Yeah, what you call mean, maize? Yeah. What is that? Uh, not bean husks. What kind of husks are in the pillow? Oh yeah, that's uh, bu- buckwheat. <laughs> buckwheat husk. Maybe you got a yeah. shirt made of buckwheat husks. <laughs> buckwheat yeah. husks and beetle shells. Uh, it's it, it, the temperature. <laughs> Just it's a what they call a technical garment. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Thanks to everybody, and I, I believe we also have. This is gonna be a, this is gonna be a weird one, but um, I mean I can't promise it'll be weird, but I suspect it'll be weird. We do have some. Uh, I think we do have some follow up this week. Uh, copyright John Syracuse, uh, two thousand eleven. Yeah, a surprising number of people. Where by surprising, I mean more than one. Uh, wrote in to tell us that are to, to be very insistent that you can have uh, more than six items. You're talking pinned, about how you how you messages. evicted me from your MySpace circle because you only wanted family in there and you didn't want any of your friends to feel offended that they weren't in the top spot. Exactly. I said, oh, you, you can't just, you can have more than six. You can have nine, but here's the problem. It, lose the, it loses the whole point. You already, it's already screwy because you're not going to see the most recent message at the top. Yeah, well, there's that because you're eating up a lot of your screen. But the other thing is, right, but what I basically got is five, right? And so I need a space filler for the sixth spot. Offering me three more spots doesn't help because what are you going to do? Merlin alone on his own row, designate two more friends to be the special friends. Now you've got three people in this, in this yeah. elite separate class and all the other friends feel like they're not in the three things. Lack of symmetry would never allow me to put like seven because that will just be messed up. Uh, and then I'm not going to put nine. Because it's, now like, you it's, just like got a, larger... it's like when your co-host Marker talks about priorities with an S, which always makes me crazy. There's only one priority of people. I'm telling you, there's one priority possibly uh, two. You, you are telling me and you have told me and I don't agree with this, but it is a thing it's that you like true. to say. You make it a priority. You don't make it a priority unless you move something else and then that's the priority. But like with <laughs> this, it, it's a big screen, John. You know, like you say it's with like photos. Like you, can't, you can't multitask. You can only do one thing at a time. You can. Well, boiling water does not count as multitasking. Mm-hmm. That's just doing two things. It means having, you know what? It's a different show. Um, but I agree with you. I have a lot that I would love to change. And really, this is apropos of what you said about photos on your popular show, the Photos app. You know, I, 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 I for example, I feel very constrained by how wide the messages window can be, by which I mean not how wide, wide I want it, but how narrow I'd like it. I wish I could grab, like I, I already have just photos, like, you know, take off the name. Because I wanted to basically live in this little narrow, like one eighth or tenth of my screen, and but it stops you. And then you know, then the problem is you can't change the side that the photos are on. I put my messages on the right side, which means I can't see the little dot. And I'm sorry, this is ridiculous, but I, you know, I, I there's things I'd like to be different with computers. Messages out. Wait a yeah. Save it for the show. Um, let's see. That's. 
That's good. I like I like pinning, but what I really like, this is apropos of so it's the second time I've said that. I'm sorry. I know you don't like foreign words or sorry, international words. I I, I that? you say that all the time. You don't I like do all not. the you do. When I call it a lounge, you get mad at me. You say it's the, a, the, a lounge is not a foreign word. Your use of it to describe your oh, living room wow. is foreign. Uh, you know what? I got taken to task for that in 1985. We're driving around in my friend's dad's very, very, very old, like 50s um, uh, Mercedes. Or as my ex-girlfriend uh, from Eastern uh, East Germany used to say, Mercedes. Is we're driving around the Mercedes, and uh, it was you know, he would be smoking a cigar in his old Mercedes with all the crackled up you know leather seats. It was a badass car, uh, and he had uh, one of those you buy at Eckert Drugs. This, uh, you stick a little digital clock on your dashboard, and I decided I would exercise a new word that I had learned, and I said, "Hmm, it's interesting. That clock is kind of an anachronism." And he, who, he went to New College, he was pretty smart. He goes, well, actually, it's the car that's an anachronism. And I was like, Phew. you know what I'm saying? I got my subject and my predicate mixed up. Mm-hmm. Don't get me started on skeuomorphs. Skeuomorphism is when you emulate nope. one kind. Okay. Skeuomorphism is when like, you, your car makes a sound that it has a speaker, so it sounds like your Tesla's moving. So it's, I think it's kind of one of those things where the popular notion of what it means is slowly overtaking what it originally oh, meant. Oh, you, you love that. I hate that you yeah, love it. But anyway, uh, my original uh, conception of what that word meant, which may or may not be true, but was definitely the way it was used in the very beginning, is some part of a design that exists only because uh, an older thing required it, but now it no longer has a function, but it stays as part of the design. But older, older and very different thing. Like if you make a, an interface for an online service where the controlling metaphor is a desk, right? Isn't that kind of like, here's your Rolodex, here's your phone, here's your TV, that kind of stuff. Okay, click on this to contact people. Or are you just talking about, like, give me an example of what you consider true uh, skew. Think going, but like, if you had, like, a digital watch that had a, a knob to wind it that didn't do anything and didn't <laughs> even turn, you know what I mean? Like, it was, like, <laughs> yes. if you looked at the display and it was all digital, but it had a little, I guess it's called the crown, had a little crown on it, but the crown was just like, you know, it didn't turn or anything. It was non-functional. It's a skewomorph. It exists because watches have always had a little crown on there. And now that the design of the watch has moved down, we still put the crown there, but it no longer serves a function anymore. It's a skewomorph. Hmm. But that uh, definition fell by the wayside very quickly, and it very quickly came to me, you know, anything you put on a computer that's made to look like something physical in real life. Well, Scott Forstall. Everybody yelled at Scott Forstall because the, the Notap had, like, leather stitching. Is that skeuomorphism? Yeah, so, like, that's what people came to. Oh, you made you made something on the computer screen look like a real-life thing. And I don't really think it is skeuomorphism. Really, you could say, oh, well, the leather thing is meant to be there because real notes and notes in real life had leather, so we draw it on the computer screen, and there's no point in having it there. But it's kind of stretching the definition. Okay. Save my sanity. Um, time was that when an automobile was driving around, you'd hear it. Maybe you could even, like, I still have such a clear recollection of the way it sounded when I changed gears on my VW bus. Uh, loud was one thing. but. Um, but then, then the hybrids came along and especially the Prius when noticed early in the life of the Prius that it, you could hear like the sound of the tires on the road, but because it wasn't, I guess because it wasn't a internal combustion engine, it didn't make an engine sound and it was weird. There's a thing I've started noticing and I hope you can end this for me. Do cars that don't make a sound make a little singing sound now, or is it just me? You don't talk about do. a car goes by and you hear this like kind of pleasant, like, they 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 not only do they make sounds but they come with alternate soundtracks you can choose what you want it to sound like and they often make different sound they make different sounds on the inside than they do on the outside huh 
So they serve two different functions. The sound on the inside is to make people, old people like us, feel more comfortable. Like sometimes they make it seem like right. you know, you know, the sound of a transition going as you change gear. They make yeah. it sound like that on the inside, even though most electric cars have no gear, no trend, no uh, changing gear ratios. Do you consider that uh, audio skeuomorphism? Kind of, because uh, it's of. a thing that exists that no longer serves a function, but it didn't really serve a function before. It wasn't a feature of the design. It was more of a thing that the design, you know, a, a side effect of the design. Huh. So there's that. They also try to make things sound cool. So some of them have like a, a Star Trek soundtrack, or some of them actually sound like internal combustion engines. They'll make that noise on the inside, or you can pick which noise you want. That's kind of cool. Well, that's kind of your definition of cool. And then the outside ones are there so pedestrians don't get run over as much. Is it, John, is it offered as a DLC, I think it's called? Is it something where you could get, like my kid, I just got my kid the werewolf pack for Sims uh, because my kid wanted to be a werewolf in Sims. It's a little confusing. Uh, my kid visited their own grave recently and the, the werewolf was sad. Uh, I think that's called DLC. Is it something like that? Could you go in and get a werewolf pack for your Tesla or similar? Well, so the story of the day is that maybe they would have like an app store where you could buy new sounds for your thing. Like, Did you hear? Well, them? maybe like Stream Deck, right? Where you go in and say, I want these plugins. Like you go in and say, I, I want to get the, um, I don't know, like uh, Mr. Sulu uh, having a sword fight. Yeah. <laughs> I want that to be the same. Or they used to do it with navigation instructions where you get James Earl Jones to tell you to make a left. Remember that? Whole yeah, thing? And Amazon had that thing for a while where you could have your lady in a tube sound like Samuel L. Jackson or whatever. Yeah. So did, did you hear the, the story I was referring to? This, no, the, no, no. Story, it's, not, it's the same story. It's been coming and going for various months, but it came around again today. It's uh, BMW, in this case, uh, selling you a subscription to your seat heaters in your car. So you, <laughs> God. So you buy the car, it comes with seat heaters, but when it's you press about, the button, it's all about services now. But when, yeah, but when you press the button to turn on the seat heater that is in your car, you it doesn't work unless you pay. And guess how much it costs? Okay, well, what I know about BMW, first of all, is my 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 ex's father had a BMW, and the thing I learned one time from him was that if you get a BMW, which I haven't. Um, you're real. You really don't want to screw with the car. You can't take it anywhere that's not a BMW dealership. I guess that's pretty common now. It voids your warranty and stuff like that. So I'm guessing they're like perhaps Apple. They're trying to own the stack. So in this case, if you bought a premium European luxury car and you want your seats to be warm, like people have been doing since the '90s, and you pay yearly or monthly. For that service, is that correct? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> is it monthly or year or annually? You can choose. Okay. Um, see, I, I'm bad at this. Um, is it is it two hundred fifty dollars annually? I'm trying to find the annual month. This is all over the internet, and I Google for it and I find nothing. Come on, people, nothing. Anyway, it's eighteen dollars a month. Eighteen dollars oh. a month, more than you pay for Netflix, probably more than you pay for Hulu. Sure. Eighteen dollars a month, so that the seat heaters that are if you already want the in your 4K car version, if you want the four K yeah. version of the seat heaters, that's going to cost a little extra. Yeah, um, and I think that's it was crazy. like a hundred. I think it was like a hundred and change a year, or you can buy a forever plan for like four hundred and fifteen bucks. Again, this is to unlock the seat heaters no, that you I, already had to pay for. As but an option the, the this shows you how little I understand about this vertical because it strikes me that that like there are kinds of things like where i'm thinking of what i'm thinking of a scene in a movie where the guy needs a car and he he's this one comes with a, a jacket and sunglasses the guy talks him into it uh, some movie that i love that i'm forgetting the name of but um i'm thinking that when somebody buys a luxury car you could get them to update get a nicer trim package or like the eddie bauer version of this ford monstrosity whatever it is Paying for a subscription to something like that 
feels like what we used to call nickel and diming. It does not feel premium. Right. It's, you know, the people talk about it. I finally found it. I, went, I, put, I put The Verge in my Google description because I know they'd have the things. $18 a month, 180 a year, uh, 180 a year for three years, or three years for $300, or 415 for unlimited. And again, this is, you also have to pay, I believe, for the option to actually put the seat heaters in, in your car, if, if, you know, or like whatever. Uh, now, how do, you, how do you feel about that as a car enthusiast? Well, it's incredibly stupid. And when the uh, the BMW people talked about it, I think it was Mercedes or someone from Mercedes maybe talked about it. They basically said, look, our buyers are not price sensitive. They'll just pay whatever we want them to pay, <laughs> which is true. Like if you have enough money to buy, you know, $150,000 car. But they'd rather pay for something that seems extra luxe rather than feeling like, you know, it's, you know, like another analogy, like a the analogy we always come back to for stuff like this, I think for a good reason is flying first class, especially if you pay with money to fly first class. And if they suddenly said, well, you know, if you want ice in your drink, that's going to be $2. Let me run your card. And you could certainly make the case that people who pay to be in first class will do that. But that's going to feel like a very diminished lux or uh, like, what's the term I learned from Marco Veblen good? Like where you, it's expensive because it's expensive and people like that it's expensive, you know, like a, like a costly bag. It, like it, a, it's not close to that because they're not that expensive, but it's like, it's just under the threshold, which these people will notice. So some more things from the- it's not cool. It's not cool. From the more, thing, more things from the story, heated steering wheel, $12 a month. Oh, come on. <laughs> or $235 for unlimited use. Now, Apple, Apple <laughs> is going to fix that for you because their car is not going to have a steering wheel or a brake. That's what oh, I heard. Oh, here you go. The iconic sound package which lets you play engine sounds in your car for a one-time fee of 117 dollar boy people are wow. selling 99 cent apps on the app store they could be yeah. selling 117 dollar car noise packages to bmw owners or like you get this the sample version what did i buy today oh i bought ugh, apple started doing this thing that i'd never experienced this before but for for, for reasons i wanted all my i wanted to get because apple music has just mangled my collection over the years and i'm like you know what when i come across a band where i entrusted what used to be called iTunes Match. I'm gonna every time there's a band that I love, I'm gonna and I think of it. I'm gonna go and download all of their stuff, which is mis- mismatched and weird. I downloaded today, and have you ever done this recently, John? It's in a format I'd never seen before. Um, I so I went to went to music on a whatever the production one is, Monterey, I guess, on Monterey and music. I downloaded all my songs by the Wrens, and some of them downloaded as what was the like movie package or something. It was a format I've never seen before. Do you, have you ever gotten this? I think I've only ever seen M4As and, uh, and M3s. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, it used to be, I mean, I've always thought it was so crazy that the iTunes Match thing would work at all. Where like, if it's a high enough bitrate version and it's on the Apple Store, like, you know, when you download it, you'll get the DRM free. I always thought, you know, next to like 99 cent MP3s, that always seems so, or, you know, M4As, that always seems so crazy to me. Um, what I got, I want to tell you about this because it's, the point is that when I got this, I, when I had that experience, I went out and tried to find apps and I, I bought an app that turns your dot movie package or whatever into an M4A of your choosing. And it works pretty well, but that's another one. You can subscribe by the month. You can just subscribe by the year or you can subscribe, you know, the forever plan, which I didn't mind because it solves a problem, but like, you know, I don't know, man. But I, at least you're, that's, that's a more simple transaction. You're paying for a piece of software. Yeah. This thing, you're already buying the car and you're paying for this, the heaters that are in the seat because that's part of the price of the car. 
and then they make you pay an additional fee to make the software to allow the on button to actually connect to the seat heaters. Like, that's what you're paying for. When <sighs> I press the seat heater button, I want the heaters that are already in my seat that I already paid for. Yeah. I just want electricity to flow to them, and you have to pay $18 a month for that. I mean, okay, let me, let's do a throwback real quick. Um, how did you feel when I believe it's GM started putting OnStar in their cars? And then I think you had to pay for that. And the pitch at least via, cause I've never, I don't, I might've been in a rental car that had it and turned on. It's kind of like satellite radio, I guess. But like, how did you feel about that? Did that seem weird? Because no, in some ways, that makes sense. That You're makes, paying for a service. I was about to say, that makes sense. Because like, there's this thing in the car. It's not going to get in your way. It's not going to frustrate or bug or like, you know, nag wear. It's not going to bug you. But like, the ads make it seem like, hey, if grandma's, you know, driving her large GMC vehicle and goes off the road, they'll come and help. On start, like, you talk like to somebody. For right. So that doesn't bother me. But the BMW, any car that does that, unless, unless you're trying to do like, what's that guy in the 80s? Freddie Mercury. Freddie Laker, the guy who ran that really uh, chintzy airline. Do you remember that? There was that airline, Freddie Laker. He had an, he was the first person, I think after deregulation, he had this Freddie Laker. He had an airline that was like crazy cheap, like long before Southwest or any of those other like bare bones services. You know, the, well, there's airlines today where there's the basic increasingly crappy crap that you can buy or you get, you know, they'll give you water or whatever. But he pioneered the whole idea of like, we're going to charge you almost nothing. And all we can guarantee is that you're going to Laker Air, Laker Airways, maybe, was that we're going to give you a way to like fly for almost nothing. And we're telling you up front, this is the cheapest conceivable price that we can do for this. Ryanair, I think maybe is similar, but anything else you want. Now, I, th I think that's okay. So if you have a Ford Focus with 12-inch wheels, or I don't know what a cheap car is now, that when I was looking for a car, that was the a Fiesta. Like, you know, one of those like bottom of the line, like if you want a VW, it's going to be less than a Golf. It's like miniature Golf. Uh, and if you want anything else, we'll charge you for I think that makes sense. Charging subscriptions for things that are table stakes in other Lux products seems what I'm trying to get at is I think it's off-putting. I think it's not good for the brand. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, their calculation is that their buyers just have so much money that this is beneath their notice and it's recurring revenue and everybody loves that. <sighs> is it Laker Airways, SkyTrain? Yeah, one of those. I, I remember his ads were just on Q105 all the time. We have cut out all of the frills, all of the... All of the safety equipment that they say <laughs> these planes need. The fat cats will tell you these planes need to be serviced at, at some regular well, interval, we'll, but we we'll believe you, we can save money by not doing that. We'll give you the left side of the seatbelt, but you're going to need to do an in-app purchase stuff. Yeah, no bathrooms. Deal with it however you want, but no bathrooms on You can on borrow our, this pot. Yeah. Pots are extra. Sir Freddie Laker. He was a knight. He's, he's, he's benighted. Mm -hmm. Freddie Laker. Do you remember that at all? No, I do not. Proving to be a very successful... Although I bet yeah. it was probably a more pleasant flying experience than the most expensive airline today. Oh, I mean... Just because it's... of how... like That's back before we had, had plumbed the depths of what humans will tolerate to fly. Right? Was, we, had, well, we didn't know yeah, how Yeah, you saw how the, double, the picture, picture of what, what it's going to be like to do the double-decker thing, which really mm -hmm. did seem like something from <laughs> like FARC or one of those, like somebody mocked this up, but literally there's a human ass inches from your face. There's mm -hmm. somebody else's ass who has a higher throne. They're, they're really embracing the fart tube full of long pigs. 
This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Sourcegraph. You can learn more about Sourcegraph right now by visiting about.sourcegraph.com. Let's say you've hired a brilliant developer. Well, that's great, but uh, now you got to get them onboarded. Always with the onboarding. So if your company is growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking each time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get them up to speed with the project that their new team is working on. And as you know, that can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working in are already large. You've got those big code bases. This is, I see this all the time. Well, thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move fast, even in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it is findable. Centralization is helpful, but given that fact, uh, yeah, most companies, they store knowledge in at least two different locations. You, you got too many places, right? So how do you make knowledge accessible to everybody who needs it? Well, as a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without Sourcegraph need to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing out-of-date documentation, which is cumbersome and time-consuming. Boo! I don't like either of those. Ooh. Thing is, with Sourcegraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories, millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and for everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know it's the big stuff that's worthy of the extra time. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier. Are you listening to this? So today, uh, you know, they work with uh, leading companies across every industry, including three out of five of the top tech companies. I got to tell you, Sourcegraph, one day I'm going to find out who those... Th three companies are and who the two companies are, and I'm going to have words. They also work with places, maybe you've heard of these, PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, Atlassian, right? They work with uh, developers' lives easy. You know what I'm saying? So, so do me a favor right now. You go and you visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. Once again, that's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to find out what they can do for yours. And, or of course, you know, you can visit our, uh, our, our website and, and show notes. And you can click there to let them know that you heard about it from uh, your pal, John Syracuse. His code bases, I don't even want to talk about it. I, I can't get started on it right now. You go to about.sourcegraph.com. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, Low-cost carrier, no frills. Well, that's, that's a damn shame, right? <laughs> I understand the need to do that. But, you know, again, it's kind of like Netflix with ads. I mean, I understand why they want to do that. But, like, when you work at cross-purposes with your model, I mean, I guess the market changes. What do I know? There's a reason I'm not in the corner office. Woof. There's, a, there's an episode of King of the Hill uh, pretty early on uh, that is the genesis of something that's become parlance in our house. Do you remember the episode where, where Peggy invents uh, like a carnival game called spin the choice? I mostly remember it from you talking about your incarnation of it. Yeah. So Peggy invents this game. She says to Luann, who's very excited to play, she says, I, I've looked at all the most popular board games and discovered that the two things people most like doing are spinning and choosing. <laughs> and so she makes a game called spin the choice that Luann is very excited about. Tonight's going to be a little bit of spin the choice, right? Only without any spinning. But there will be choosing? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, uh, see, here's, here, here's the thing. This is a good tip for you and possibly a handful of other listeners. A good way to get me to do something is to make it seem like not work. 
Like one thing is like, I'm really good at coming up with new pole dancer names. And so we were watching Jurassic Park and because uh, we've been watching it a lot lately. We're, we're pretty deep on Jurassic Park. And when that particular Attenborough appears and he's he's got a little bit of a uh, an asymmetry to his gait. So he has a cane that has the, the little amber at the end. And I told my kid, Amber Kane is my pole dancer name. So, so then, so, so, um, they're hanging out with, with relatives and, uh, my, uh, my niece who rules, uh, needed the name for, uh, a, a very, very, very male name, um, for a drag performer. And I instantly came up with like six names. That's the thing. You need to trick me. If you trick me into coming up with something, I can usually do that. I'm you pretty know? sure that's actually not work. No one is tricking you into thinking that's not work. Grandpa Pants. Patrick mm-hmm. the Blade Lawnmower, mm-hmm. Dick Crotch, Massive T, Smooth Brain Lawrence, uh, Chip Taint, Torse Fallison, Jimmy the Glands Jameson, and uh, Skip Permission. That was just off the dome. And you tricked me into accident. You well, I don't know if you did it on purpose. You did this. You tricked me into coming up with my night topics last week. Did you know that? You came up with these all on your own. I just told you to write them down. Well, Something I well, heard on a podcast once that what? you write things down. You should you should send me a link for that. Um, mm. What? Uh, where's it hosted? <laughs> Dentalcast.io. Um, how did it come up? We were talking about. Some, oh, we were trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about in last week's Spin the Choice After Show. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe on the interregnum break, I, I came up with some off the dome ideas. And then you said, because we have a doc that really needs work, you suggested that I use copy and paste on my computer. To put those in as future mind eye topics. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. That was on the after show, so you probably didn't hear it. Yep. And then I threw uh, two more on top of that. Call the cops. Let me see what you put. Okay. You changed this. You changed this. I talked you about these in the pre flight. <laughs> oh, those. You did that. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to do. Um, um, oh, you know what? In addition to Spin the Choice, which is also the name of a meal night at our house, that means anybody's allowed to order any different takeout that they want delivery mm. uh the, the other one is um all sides night you ever have all sides night i've not done that all thanksgiving sides it's the mm. best so tonight's all sides it's on my night topics do you read them off you don't like that no we should pick one to start with mm. i'll pretend to spin and then you choose no whammies no whammies no whammies pick no i said you choose oh do you want to talk about the bear Ooh, excuse me. Is that, that Daisy? The, uh, the, is that Daisy? Is that Daisy? The, I caught you choose. That's a different dog. My dog would never bark during a podcast. I've never heard Daisy. Is that Daisy's friend? That's I don't know if that's Daisy's friend. That's send some me other take dog. a photo. Ask Tina to take a photo and send the it to neighborhood me. dogs often are often have concerns. And when the neighborhood dogs have concerns, they express their concerns oh. verbally. And Daisy will oh, also. Wait, so that dog's not in your in. house. No, that dog oh, is not in my house. They, within like okay. one or two block radius, sometimes dogs get very concerned about something and they start barking and it slowly ripples out as the, uh, the other dogs hear the barking and say, yes, I too am concerned with whatever it is that you are concerned with. It's so funny when that happens. I'm so glad I don't have to live with that, but it's so funny. Usually it's a, the, there's like, you know, a lot of places that got big dog and little dog, like my, my in-laws until the big dog passed away had a big dog and a little dog. And it was always the yappy little dog that would get things started. Mm-hmm. And then the, the pit bull mix would join in because, you know, Bailey wanted to know what's going on. That's right. You know, it's funny. It's contagious. It's a, it's a, it's a meme. The bear. So you the mentioned bear. this, you mentioned this on a bunch of different podcasts and 
for whatever reason, I like I know when I heard people talking about it, I'm like, this sounds like it's a fiction show. But every time I look at it in any of my apps, I'm like, is this one of those documentaries? I thought it follow? was a reality show. Yeah. Or a reality show or like a documentary of like this person's trying to revive this restaurant and look at this thing or whatever. But but no, it's 100 percent just a fiction television program. And I don't know if it's the marketing or whatever. But if you're confused about this, it is not a reality show. It is not a documentary. It is a fictional television program. I um, is a, a podcast I like uh, called The Watch um, and uh, on some Spotify thing. Anyway, it's the thing that used to be the, the that other network. But on the watch, uh, I, I was listening while they were fixing my bike and they kept talking about the bear, the bear, the bear. And what I caught, I, I could tell because they were talking about it so much that I knew, I knew I wanted to at least see what it was. But the last thing I heard was, oh, you know, and at one point, Oliver Platt needs to cater a party. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna stop right there because that sounds very Top Chef. That sounds like one of those, oh, there's this YouTube star that needs a vegan wedding and you all need to go cook for it. And then I, pulled it up and honestly like i i'm maybe not as fanatical as you per se but i really like knowing nothing at all if all, all i if, I, if there's a piece of media that all i know is all my friends say you should really check this out i don't watch trailers like when we went to see uh thor which is what now one of my favorite movies and i will not hear a word against it because it's a gimme i didn't know anything about it i had not watched any trailers you know what I mean? I do full media blackout if it's something I, I know I'm going to watch. If I bought the ticket, why would I want to go read Rotten Tomatoes? That's crazy. I don't want anything on my mind. And I knew less than nothing about this. All I knew was it was about cooking, which I, I'm always so happy. I think about so many things. We've got that on the list somewhere, those movies. The stuff where you knew had no idea about a movie, and then you see it, and maybe you feel like a little bit transformed, like you've seen something really new. So I didn't. I had no idea what to go into. I pull up this show and there's a guy on a bridge who's about to open a cage. And I'm like, what is this? Yeah. I feel like the show, I mean, that opening, that opening of the show does not fit with the whole rest of the show. I agree. It, it just doesn't. Right. And so if you started watching, you're like, is this going to be this kind of, no, it's not. Cause he be doesn't that dream in. I right. Mean, they don't has, keep going to that. There's yeah, not a lot of surrealism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't keep returning to dream sequences. I mean, they do a little bit, but it's nothing bit. like the opening. No, no. Right. But anyway, the, the thing I liked about the show, and I, we're not going to spoil it, so you don't have to worry about any spoilers, but I, I watched the whole first season, which is all there is of the show. Um, and it was very, it was made, I feel like, differently than most television shows. In some ways, it was like a little bit uneven and unsteady and unsure of itself. Um, but like also the tone was weird. And like, for, it takes you a while to figure out what tone is this going for? Is it trying mm -hmm. to be funny sad serious somewhere in between like there's so many there's so many different shows just, that just have... there's the treatment of richie alone don't call him rick but the treatment of him alone where he's you know he's a man who always looks no matter if he's angry if he's disappointed he's probably angry again but he always looks that actor always looks like he's on, on the verge of bursting into tears but like he has so many different tones in this yeah, like it's kind of the type of show where the whole time you're watching it, you're not sure how how the show thinks you, wants you to feel about these characters. And mm -hmm. and it's not like we're in we're overall in an age where all the TV shows are the same. We have so many different tones of TV shows. Like one, one of the shows I don't even watch, but I hear you talk about it all the time. It so clearly has a tone like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, that show clearly has a very weird tone that could not have existed decades ago. It continues. It continues to defy expectations. But, but you're not confused yeah. about the tone of that 
that show. Second, mm-hmm. like a show I'm familiar with, Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? Has a tone that is very strange and weird and would not have existed in our youth, but it is a knowable, definable thing. We have so many different tones for television shows, and the bear is like, never really finds its tone. It's kind of all over the map in an endearing way, in kind of an endearing kind of like, I'm not going to say amateurish, but like, there's a certain innocence to it. It can be a little jolting, though, because it's... This well, I mean, I've worked in some kitchens, and I've been a waiter and a busboy, and I mean, I I can't say I'm not a fine dining chef, but I feel like I, I would love to talk a little bit also about how it's shot and the, just the kind of technical aspects of it. But it's the truest. I've never worked in a kitchen where like somebody runs a brigade, but I have been in kitchens where like they're incredibly like keyed up and abusive, like crazy, often coked up people in the kitchen. And it's a very hostile environment. It feels like one of the truest examples of that that I've seen of that balance of like trying to do a good job and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But it's so the, sh- the thing Alex and I said on Do By Friday, because this was a challenge last week, it's um, it, it is it is so I found the show so tense to watch because I instantly fell in love with the main character, Carm, Carmen. And, um, I mean, how can you not, the guy's, the guy's gorgeous and he's, he's trying so hard to do something that's really, really out of his comfort zone. As they say, from the very beginning, it's so tense. And then by the time you get to that one episode, which is probably the fifth episode, the like we accidentally turned on the machine, mm-hmm. didn't realize what we were in for episode, you know, even that's much more tense, but like it's tense within normal parameters because even just watching this guy try to like sell his jeans and clean out the video game machine to afford food to sell at the, it's so, I was really on edge. I was really involved in it, but then it'll be somewhat abrupt. And that lady whose name I'm forgetting is so happy that Sydney liked her mashed potatoes and it's really sweet. I love that, but it's very jarring. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? The tonal changes? The one the one conceit on the show is that with a lot of television is that every every character on the show is um is at, at their heart a good person, which is not true in real life and probably certainly not true in real kitchens. Uh like there are no there are no people who are doing bad things to other people for reasons that aren't clear on screen, right? Whereas I feel like in real life, lots of jobs... Sometimes it's not always nice things, like deliberately ruining somebody's... For for reasons that are clear on screen, right? Because this show show Mm -hmm. has sympathy for all of its characters, right? And all of them, in the end, are good people trying to, like, that may be damaged in various ways that are dealing with certain things, but they're all trying to do the right thing. And the one thing I never really uh, bought that what the show was selling is the... uh, how much the main character cared about doing a good job at this thing. I mean, really, I think like I see the show as, you know, people working through various traumas and he's working through his trauma, but I didn't really buy or care that he's trying to do a great thing with this restaurant. Cause he's not really, he's just, he's a screw up and he's there mm, screwing up. I, I, th- I might disagree. Um, because he's, he's, uh, again, I don't want to spoil this, but th- this guy is part of a family that's recently suffered in the last year, has suffered a really, really tragic loss. Um, again, a thing I said on Do By Friday that I think is important to know, because this is a thing I will say to my kid, my kid who insists that they uh, have both seen this and B, don't understand it. And I'll be like, just so you know, like you're watching the same show I am. There's nothing in this that you don't understand. You just don't know what that means yet. And this show does that a lot in a way that like, might really put people off like what what does the stuff on this piece of paper mean what does this envelope mean and it's not the thing is it's really 
mostly not like a mystery box, J.J. Abrams kind of show. That's why it reads a little more like a documentary. Because in a documentary, the, the, the documentary filmmakers don't stop and say, wait a second, can you explain the context of what you just said? No, they just let them say whatever they're going to say. And through the course of the documentary, you learn why that was important, who that person was they're referring to or whatever. Right. But I don't think this is a spoiler, but it, all you need to, and you'll get this early, is that Carm, like other people in his family and in this community, are feeling a great loss about somebody who died. And what I got from it was... Because this, I don't know, I could be wrong, but this is something I do, which is, well, one thing is that sometimes I just want to control a small area, as I've said. Sometimes I just, if in order for me to get focused or to not feel anxiety or to not feel all my demons dog, demon dogs barking at me, I will do something like configure Eve devices or polish a piece of metal or really thoroughly clean the linen closet, which is, you know, again, what I call controlling a small area. I think sometimes when you're stressed out, you want to control a small area. And and there are times in my life when I'm feeling stressed that I will do an ex- the best job that I possibly can at something because I find it diverting. I think part of what Carm is, Carm is running from this trauma, it's been a really big deal for him to even come back to Chicago and to deal with this situation. My read is that doing what you're calling a good job in that kitchen is a way to keep his demon dogs at bay. Because the only thing that could make this worse for Carm is that he's stuck in a kitchen that's not full of people who are not trying. That's the thing in some ways that would be most, that that would make the rest of his current life unlivable if he had to spend his day at a place that wasn't making much money and they were doing a bad job and he'd left behind this career you know what I mean? Like, do you, you don't think it's demon dog related? It is, but like, they also want you to believe that he has a passion for this. Because if you just wanted to make this place run and make money, you wouldn't have to do all the things that he's carrying. And obviously, his helper, the the new hire, is even more gung ho about that. But she's young Sydney, and, yeah. and idealistic, right? One of the things I think makes us read a lot like a documentary is that most of the people in the show do an incredibly bad job communicating literally anything to literally anybody their feelings what they want what they need done what they're doing right now they are so bad at communication to the detriment of everything that happens on the show and that is very true to life and it also reads like a documentary where characters in shows uh, communicate poorly for dramatic purposes but in this show everybody communicates poorly all the time because they're not equipped to communicate well because that's who they are as people and sometimes it doesn't have important dramatic consequences but you just get to see how you know, these people are not, there's information that needs to be conveyed and they're not doing it. Sometimes they're not even trying right. to do it. Well, Sometimes I, they're intentionally yeah. doing things counter to the information they want to convey. But I, I, my read on that there is that, and so when Carm introduces, again, this is the thing that I know from Top Chef, like you call this person chef, you say behind, I'd never heard corner, but there's all this stuff. I knew 86, like, you know, 86 were out of this thing. I knew those kinds of things, but Carm is really insistent that people use this way of communicating with each other that shows respect and that I really, I enjoy it and um, admire because Karma's insisting that when you're working here, a couple things, and I think this relates to what you're saying. First of all, leave your problems at the door. Like if you've got a problem, we could talk about it, but like you're not allowed to come in here and just be a careless asshole. That will not fly in here. But also, even though we don't talk to each other about our damage, we communicate over communicate with each other. If somebody says something to you, somebody says, you know, um, work on your prep, please, chef. 
and that person says herd chef and then does it. So there is a he's encouraging an extraordinary amount of communication about something everybody should be able to understand. But that has to play alongside the fact that all of these people are damaged in different ways about a similar thing. So this is a fish, this is in some ways a fish out of water show, right? It's like classic Green Acres kind of like, well, you know, you bring somebody in and it's they're in an uncomfortable environment, but like they're each damaged in different ways. And they're, they're I think one thing that happens when we experience that kind of loss uh, and we're not even really ready to grieve it is that our life has been so displaced. Our life has been so upended and I feel so bad. I'm forgetting the woman's name. The, the woman who's worked with, uh, who'd worked with Michael yeah, for a long been time. Working there longer than Sydney's been alive. Yeah. The one who says, uh, heard Jeff. She only calls, calls him Jeff mm-hmm. instead of chef. Um, but like, She's, I think, a, a pretty clear example of somebody who wishes things were the way that they used to be. I think almost everybody there, because this is a place where it's they call it Italian beef, right? It's like, you know, sliced beef on a roll with jardinier and peppers and stuff. And I guess it's a classic Chicago sandwich. It looks amazing. Um, but that's a regional dish that people love. And people have been coming there for years, even though this place like has been in terrible condition and mismanaged in every way by their dad since the beginning. But there is a lot of, you're entering a situation where the, the best days are gone. What are other shows that do that? Well, I'll tell you two things I love about The Sopranos. Sopranos is a show where the, every, I think Tony says this in the first episode to Dr. Melfi, that like the, the good days are, are behind us. I'm, I entered into this business after the best days were gone. And in my opinion, that often makes for a very interesting show. Um, but the other thing Sopranos did, who wrote about this, um, uh, maybe the guy with three names, that one thing that made this show- Philip Sopran- Michael Thomas? Yes, Philip Michael Thomas wrote a book about this. And he said that, uh, it's that guy that uses Devin Think, that writer, uh, the white guy. But it's the Sopranos was, there aren't that many shows. Most shows, whether it's a sitcom or a drama, like through the history of TV- have it been about a main character, a girl, the guy, right? This group of people. And it's mainly about ev- mainly about everybody's relationship with the main characters. And the thing about The Sopranos was they took their time to show you the relationships between almost every character. Like if you did that as a diagram, like making connections, like I, you could probably tell me in various ways about the relationship between Carmela and Christopher. What? That's, that's wild. It, it isn't just, oh, I hate my mother-in-law kind of stuff. Like, that's a complex relationship. I think that's the game that they're playing here. Whether they succeed or not, I don't know. Fish out of water. Good days are gone. You know, this is obviously, it's tragic in that sense of like, this is probably not going to end well. But it's in seeing the way all of those people interact with each other, you get the opportunity to appreciate little moments of growth, little moments of vulnerability, and little moments of letting go of that past little bit at a time. Like that's never going to be easy, but look at Richie. I mean, Richie's a basket case. Maybe the good old days, you know, weren't all that good and tomorrow's not as bad as it seems, but Richie is, he's mad about everything. He wants zero change. So close. The good old days weren't all that good and tomorrow's not. The good old day wasn't all that great. The graduations hang on the wall. Yeah, see, you make fun of them, but you, then you can't remember the lyrics. Is that the good old days? This is my guess. Okay, you can fact check me. I'm not. The, the good old days weren't always good, and tomorrow ain't as bad as he says. Ain't ain't as bad as they, it seems. <sighs> He's so affected. 
You know, my kid loves Billy Joel. Did you know that? Who doesn't love Billy Joel? <laughs> no, 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 no. But like, because of the boys, my, my kid now wants an Elton John and Billy Joel shirt. And I'm like, we're not going to, you're not getting a shirt with Elton John and Billy Joel. On. I am caught up on the boys. What? When I did am too. Billy Joel and Elton John factor into that show? Well, Billy Joel's in the very first episode. Oh, that's too long ago for me to remember. Okay. Come on. Do you remember, remember how it starts and what happens with A-Train? I, me- I remember A-Train. I Do don't remember, remember the, the hands. Song. Mm, that was a long time ago. And okay, now I'm going to misquote this, which is going to really make my kid mad. Don't, don't you? Uh, what's the verb? Like, forget about mad. me. No, don't, don't. Don't you disparage Billy Joel? That's a line that comes up, and then remember later when he's talking to Starlight, he's like, "The last thing I said to her was, uh, don't disparage Billy Joel.' But she likes that song with the video where he's on the bridge." And he's thinking of he's playing the harmonica, playing piano, man. She likes that song. Uh, River of Dreams? No, it's called The Human Touch. No, it's the one with the, 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 the gotta, it's the one with the, her favorite episode, Over the Hills and Far Away with a Thousand Swords. What's the episode? It's the episode, it's the really good episode where they're on the boat. You know, it's first the season. episode of The Boys with the whale episode? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember the whale. I don't remember the Billy Joel songs. Um, what's the, okay, so I'm going to say, we need to move on to the next mini topic. Billy Joel, it's such a bad song. It's from, it's from a really bad period. Billy Joel video is in a trench coat on a bridge. I've seen this episode. So you're only human. Second wind. You're only human. It's a terrible song. You know, it's a good song. Zanzibar. Zanzibar is a really good song. What's your favorite Billy Joel song, John? Scenes from scenes from an Italian restaurant. Is that a bottle of red? Bottle of that's the bottle. one. Is that I get that right? Bottle of red. Sing. He's he singing about the life of people who graduated high school just before I entered it on Long Island. So, yeah. Well, you're not gonna get any argument from me. I mean, my cousins, my cousin Dave had the Stranger. I think he got it for Christmas, and I heard that a little bit, but. I, with my own money, bought a cassette of, well, not his best record, but good for me at the time was Glass Houses. So, I mean, I knew, and now, of course, I know all of the, I mean, I'm a fan. I like, mm-hmm. I like the 52nd Street. I, I like uh, Cold Ocean Harbor. Like, I, I'm not super familiar with that one, but I know, um, I know The Stranger. Cold Ocean and, Harbor? <laughs> you know, the one with Piano Man, where he's got his face on it. What's that called? Cold Stream? Cold Stream? Cold, Cold Stone Creamery? What's his first album called? The one with his face where he looks stoned. What's that called? Cold Spring Harbor, maybe? That's a place on Long Island. Huh. And that's, you're saying that's a, it's a whole island. That's where Alex Baldwin lives, right? Yeah, in Massapequa. Alec. Uh, Alec, yeah. Yeah. It, it's either Seinfeld or, or the Baldwins from Massapequa. I always forget which one. Oh, is that where uh, George's penis shrinks and they get lobsters? That's probably Long Island, right? Yeah. Does, does Margaret technically live on Long Island? C was angry that day, my friends. <laughs> like an old man in a deli trying to return a so bowl of soup. God <laughs> like an old man trying to return soup at a deli is mine's my guess. better mine's better my, my that's my guess we never know there's no way to actually check this so he's always wanted to be a marine biologist and then he gets the uh, the golf ball right <laughs> it was it was uh it was another this joke has been done in every television show and the ability to make it funny is good when he what he says like i shoved my arm into the mighty fish or something whatever and someone <laughs> someone says mammal and he says whatever how many shows have done the whales is fish joke like that is so but George Costanza. There's so like that's such an old tired joke that the whale, whales aren't fish. Every yeah. show does it. Happens all the time. And Seinfeld managed to make it funny. 
I um I do a thing now, and this is a transition to get us to the next. It's not really a transition. It's it's an abrupt segue. Uh-huh. Um, I it's do a thing now. <laughs> I secretly love you. I find myself talking like Frank Costanza sometimes. Sometimes I'll say <laughs> Some, something. Sometimes. Well, because okay, the other two members of my family were watching TV theoretically. And you get out the pole. It's time for the feats of strength. <laughs> it's got a high uh, the height to strength ratio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. Anyway, um, you want a piece of me? No, it's when uh, I, sometimes I'll be I'll, I'll catch myself saying something, and uh, and uh, I'll say it like again like like my like my ex wife's grandfather who we used to drive around Tallahassee and, and he'd read all the signs and he'd go huh Chinese buffet huh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. automobile insurance huh and so sometimes I'll be sitting there and I'll go huh. Lee Pace is six foot four inches tall, which is actually very close to Tommy Toon is very tall. Tommy Toon is a very good dancer. I do that. I do that, John. Sometimes I just announce something. To, and they're looking at their phones, right? Mm-hmm, I'm over. I'm mm-hmm. over here trying to take in Irma Vep and something, and then I'll think about ruining the accuser. And as you know, after five p.m., you know, after my ADD medicine is worn off, I like to I like to control a small area, and then I look up how tall people are and what country they're from. And then I say to my lady friend, is that, is that person uh, English? And she says, yeah, they're English. See, that's you. We just invoke in your old age. What we're going to do is we're going to take you and we're going to put you into like a giant old 70s Cadillac. We're just going to drive you around the line and you're going to just gonna look at the road signs and you're going to go like this. You're going to go, huh? Huh? Cold Spring Harbor. Huh. I wonder if it's cold. Huh? Bottle of red. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Doppler. You can learn more about Doppler right now by visiting doppler.com slash L slash diffs. In software development, secrets are private pieces of information that act as keys. And those keys unlock protected resources or sensitive data. Now, this can be stressful to configure and manage, especially when sharing secrets across different teams and clouds. Well, thankfully... Those days are over. Introducing Doppler, the first universal secrets platform. It enables developers to automate the pain away of managing their secrets along with the hidden files used to manage them, also known known as uh, ENV files. You see, Doppler is your team's central source of truth for secrets and app configuration across all environments and clouds. Whether these are in Docker, AWS, Vercel, I think I'm saying that right, or anywhere else. Doppler works where you work. And as your stack evolves, Doppler remains simple. Now, that that just feels good. You know, simple is good. Simple is not always easy, but simple is definitely simple. And, and they can just have that. From startups to enterprises, more than 11,000 customers, big and small, are using Doppler. So they can keep their secrets and app configuration in sync across devices, environments, and team members. So say goodbye to ENV files. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Later, Felicia. All you can do is you can set up Doppler for your team, and it takes less than four, four minutes. That's like uh, like reading this ad twice. Go do it. Go set up Doppler. So right now, you're going to sign up. You're going to go to Doppler.com slash L slash diff. That's D-I-F-F-S. Okay. Are you listening closely? Doppler.com slash L slash diffs. And, and that's all lowercase, but, but you knew that. You're a developer. 
Doppler.com slash L slash diffs, all lowercase. Go there now. Our thanks to Doppler for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. All right, you pick the next one. We're already doing great. We're in an hour. We got probably one more of these and we're done. Oh, yeah, we, I, I thought we, we could introduce a timer. Would you like a timer? No, no timer. Okay. Uh, no no timer, it. Jerry. No timer. That's right. Uh, what's that? Wanna... Okay, no, listen, listen, Seinfeldpedia. What, 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 what's the canonical example of, no, is it no pick? Is no pick the canonical one? What's the canonical, the, when we do that bit, what are we? Oh, they, they do that so many times on the show. It's the time when this is in the model from first class season he goes i wasn't picking no pick no pick is there that's what jerry does right but right he does that in a few episodes but eventually george gets on the the angrily saying no whatever and that goes through like all the seasons of the show i don't actually know where it began but it becomes a bit on the show no touching yeah it's always money in the banana stand no touching Yep, 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 yep. Next, uh, so we got other ones. Do so you want me to read them? Should I read them? To no, people? I just want to do a briefly the second one because it's not really a topic. I just want to say a thing. Um, okay. I'm doing a lot of stuff with computers right now. It's on topic for our cool shirts that hopefully everybody bought. Um, I've been working on my stupid application, which is one of the things I didn't have time for when I had my jobby job, and now I do. And it's dumb because it's an application that very few people should ever want, and anyone who wants it has already purchased it. And I'm sinking all this time into making a version two. And I'm not going to sell it separately. Everyone who bought version one is going to get version two for free. Front and center? Is it front and center? No, switch class. Um, It's like, it's not going to make me any money. It's just a thing I'm doing for fun. But this is a totally a canonical. I'm doing a lot of stuff with computers right now. I'm doing this very important task for this thing that's not going to make me any money and has no point and nobody cares about except for me. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm doing a lot of stuff with computers. Tell, tell people, including me. I'm sorry, I feel really bad. Is this the is this the one where you uh, put put things over your kids' eyes and, and the icon has feet? It is not. Um, it is. What is a, Switch Class? Remind a me. A little. Also, you remember? You might you remember classic Mac OS and Mac OS eight. I believe they introduced eight or eight point five, maybe fat bits. They, they introduced a thing that they called the application switcher, which was like this little palette that you could tear off. Like the upper right corner of the screen in classic macOS and later right. versions had a menu that would show all your running applications and like a pull down menu from the menu Ugh. bar. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And you could also like tear that off or make like a little application palette that would appear. It like little little thumb grabby things on yeah, it. Yeah, and it, w- it would just little squares and, e- and each little gray mm-hmm. square would be an icon of one of the applications that's running, right? Yeah. It was kind of like the dock before the dock, although the next had the dock as well. Was or a switcher different. without switching. It was just a yeah. persistent... Um, not like drag thing, but like there would be a, there would just be a thing hanging there with if you wanted Show, it. Yeah, showing all the icons yeah. of the apps, and you click on well, one. The to same switch way them. that you could click to copy and paste, you could now also click to say, you know, uh, take me into HyperCard or whatever. Yeah, and so the the macOS dock does that today, but of course the macOS dock does a bunch of other crap too. You can have folders in the macOS dock. The trash can yeah. is there, and also in the macOS dock you can have applications that aren't running, and when you click them, they launch. Right, so you can be a launcher. I always kind of missed having something in the upper right corner of my screen. Uh, just like in classic macOS, that just lists the tiny icons for the currently running applications. And this may seem completely ridiculous and redundant to you because, hey, you've already got the dock on your screen and it's already showing all your running applications. Why the heck would you want a second thing? The dock is like the new iTunes, though. The docks, especially with universal control, the dock is feels weird. I'm finally realizing the dock almost does too many things. And yeah, I could see. So yours does that? Is it up right now if I go to the store? I, I thought I owned all your things. I mean, this is an app I made years ago, so it's not it's not a new thing. But okay. like I, I used DragThing for years and years until eventually DragThing stopped 
working because it was written in Carbon and James Thompson didn't want to rewrite it for a new modern API. Yeah. So I wrote this little dinky thing myself uh, and I sold it <laughs> on the App Store years ago and made a little bit of money. Not that much. Because honestly, who wants this? It's just, this wow, is like great, a, a, great ratings. I'm going to get, I, I guess I bought it. I'm, it's got the yeah, download yeah, anyway. cloud thing. Uh, yeah. and so I'm making a version two of this app uh, with features that I mostly won't even use just because it's a fun thing to do with computers. Uh, and it's going to make zero money because no additional people are going to buy it because of this. Because why should they? Well, if you, if you I, wanted I, this app, you already bought it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I, boy, this last episode, I feel like about maybe twice or three times a year, once you guys started talking, the most recent episode I listened to, I assume it's the latest one. When you got into talking about the chip stuff, that's where my eyes really, I'm, I don't turn it off because I love hearing you guys talk secretly, but like, I'm so lost, but like, are you, so are you in the same way that Marco seems a little, especially on under the radar, it sounds like he's a little frustrated in dealing with Swift UI. It, are you having to learn new, th- I mean, because you put this out a pretty long time ago, there must be a lot of new stuff. Is this an opportunity for you to catch up on what's out there, best practices, modernizing, getting rid of technical debt? Is, is it a whole new rebuild from the bottom up? Well, I made this app in 2020, so it's not that old. February 12th, 2020 is when I originally launched it, right? And I, I used SwiftUI for the only part of the interface that you see when you're using it, which is the little floating palette thing. Um, and SwiftUI has come a long way since then, but I am definitely banging my head against SwiftUI. But the thing is, I have fun. I had fun writing Switch Glass and Front and Center back in the day, and I'm having fun updating them because it's a fun thing to do. As frustrating mm-hmm. as it is, it is fun for me to do that type of stuff. I I, to- I totally know what you're talking. About. I'm not playing anywhere near your level, but that's one reason I like projects. I really like diving into something that's multivariate, multi-factor. It's a kind of chick set me high flow thing where like I'm operating at the height of my abilities and I'm spinning plates a little bit, but I find that really invigorating. And I'm banging my head against it a little. Like, really, you can, know. Can you the, summarize the things- for me what the Swift? I mean, I heard Marco. I see him tweet about. It, I saw him talking about it on Slack. What is it about Swift UI? In, a, in a summarizing in a couple sentences, what is it about Swift UI that even like really gifted developers find so flummoxing? Uh, well, it's a new. It's newish. I mean, it's only a few years old, which doesn't sound like it's new, but it's new in the grand scheme of things. And yeah. it's meant to do the same job as. But you, and you as, didn't have to use it before, right? You still don't have to use it, but it's meant to do the same job as existing APIs that have been around for literal decades, right? And so, mm-hmm. if you're making an application, you're like, "I want to make an application that does X," right? You can do that with the old APIs, but Apple has basically said, "Yeah, those old APIs, we're not really working on those anymore. We're only working on this new thing." But the new thing is young and immature and is missing features. So you're banging your head against the wall because you're like, "I want it to do this thing, and I could make it do this thing using the old APIs, but I don't want to use the old APIs because every line of code I write with the old APIs is just more debt that I have to redo. Let me try to use the new ones. The new ones just plain don't have all the features yet that the old ones did, mm-hmm. and so it's like and, trying. And does to- it also suffer from the recent? problem of like lack of documentation oh yeah no everything even the old stuff suffers from that. <laughs> that's just universal that's it that's mm-hmm. a, a universal tax on everything uh, apple related but but yeah so it, it's there are cool new things about the new api like when you're using the features that it does have it's so much easier than it was in the old api but when you find something that it doesn't do or that is buggy or that you know it's, it's just it's it's challenging. Is like you're like, how can I hack around this? How can I make it do what I wanted to do, even though it doesn't technically support that? And even though I would know how to do it the old way, mm-hmm. let me figure out how to do it the new way, or let me eventually give up and do it the old way. And, and in my right. case, the stakes are really low because this is just basically a complete hobby project. Well, that it's makes not, it a perfect you know, thing to train on, though. 
right? Yeah, and it's not like I'm training for anything. I'm just doing it because it's, it's fun. Like, it's fun to challenge myself like that. But, I mean, don't you have aspirations in one way or another? Like, for example, I'd love to put you on that uh, voice log thing. I bet you could do that in a weekend. My voice, voice log, log that I want. Voice log. Oh, sorry, I do by Friday. I want a thing. I'm where behind I'm, on that. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Sorry. Where, where I say something to Siri, I, I hail Siri, and I say a sentence, and that gets written as a row in a, in a CSV alongside location and time. And it's <laughs> it's trickier than it seems to make that happen quickly. And it really, we've tried it with shortcuts, and it feels like the solution is a proper app. Something that gets me almost as fast as like reminders, but... Anyway, if you want to do that, that would be awesome. No, I'm scratching my itch. You got to scratch your itch. I, I do that. Well, I've heard you guys talk about this and like the, the, when you're learning, I'm sorry, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm like ABBA. I'm just going to speak phonetically. Is, with, that, is that how you say it? We just debated this on our house the phonetic, other day. Phonetically? No, uh, the ABBA band. I say ABBA. What do you say? You say I don't ABBA? know. I couldn't have an answer. My uh, my daughter has been into uh, the, I think, not particularly good Mamma Mia movie, if you've seen it. It's got its appeal. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, and she yes. How do you pronounce the name of that? Is it Abba or Abba? Oh, I think it's. I think the real heads say Abba. I I don't I don't know for sure, but but I'm I'm a big fan, and I, I say Abba. Um, because I talked about this, and I, like I say, I'm gonna Abba this. Hmm. Um, when you like, it sounds like you know. It's so confusing because the goddamn names. Even back to like you got C, you got Objective. Objective C is what you used to make Mac apps with, right? Back in the day, is that mm-hmm. and iPhone apps and iPhone apps? Okay, and then like, but like you know, so Casey comes from whatever that Windows .NET thing C is, C sharp. Okay, but and like you, you come from your various you know development environments. So there's a learning curve because there are things I mentioned. You in particular have things that you expect a what not Turing complete, but a mature language to have. There's things that you that you can do in whatever development language you want, and there's rough cognates of getting the thing you want done. And that's just part of the learning curve. But aren't there some adjustments you make, like say to Python, where there are things in that that are very unusual compared to other, you have to think differently. Like, do you find yourself needing to think differently when you use Swift UI or is it just merely this, this is, it, is it that it doesn't do what I want or that it doesn't do what I want in a way that seems uh, intuitive and logical? Sometimes it just doesn't, just plain doesn't do what you want. Like it doesn't have that feature yet. Cause again, it's young and you know, we're used to APIs like AppKit that have been around since the nineties in the form of the next day APIs. Mm-hmm. And so after all those decades, if they're, you know, at this point, there's nothing that it doesn't do. Like so if someone wanted it to do something that got written eventually, right. Whereas Swift UI just something plain doesn't have features. And it's not that it's causing an error. It's just that like the, the thing that I would expect to, to be available here just isn't available. Yeah, like so to give an example, one of the things I, w- I was working mm-hmm. on today uh, for uh, for a drag and drop thing, uh, when you're dragging something and you're dropping it, uh, one of the things that you can do on the Mac, uh, and old school Mac users even know keyboard shortcuts for this, is you can cancel a drag. Like you're starting to drag something and you change your right. mind. You say, actually, if you drag, no. If you're dragging the copy or, like I've, st- <laughs> this is so maddening to me, when I have universal control running and I copy, let's say I want to copy in the old fashioned way, we're like select all and copy. And then I see the menu pop up on my laptop to my left that, oh, it's going to try and grab all these gigs of movies. And like, then I have to go over and stop that. But normally, whether you're copying with dragging or you're making an alias, what is a command? We, you know what I mean? When you make an alias, it's like uh, used to option, be command, option but command. It's not anymore. 
Yeah, but when you're doing that, Command but if option you option for dragging. If you let go of the keys while you're doing something, right? That normally it'll stop doing that that uh, operation. It won't, it won't stop doing it. Like to give an example of like let's say you're taking you say you've got a JPEG on your desktop and you want to drag that JPEG into your Photoshop document. Mm-hmm. Right? So you grab the the JPEG file from your desktop and you start dragging into Photoshop and let's say halfway through you change your mind like actually I don't want to drag this into Photoshop. You could carefully place it back where you found it on the desktop, right? Man, suckers. Right? Yeah. Or you could hit, if you're an old school Mac user, you know, you can just type the escape key. While you're you're still holding the mouse down, you're still in the middle mm-hmm. of dragging this JPEG file, but you can just hit the escape key and it will cancel the drag and you will see the, the icon of that file that you were previously holding animate right back to where it was without you having to replace it in exactly the same spot. That's canceling a drag, right? Yeah. So in my application, you can drag crap. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's switch glass. And so you got these little app icons and the feature I'm adding is that you can drag them to rearrange them. But what if you drag one and you drag it like off of the app switcher palette, you just drag it like way over to the other side of the screen and you let it go. Well, letting it go there does nothing. Cause like you're supposed to be rearranging them in the app switcher. It seems like you would think that means you want to delete it. Yeah. Well, whatever it means, it's certainly, you're certainly not reordering it like you were supposed to. Right. Or like the way you do what is a command when you're up in the menu bar, like the way you can like, you know, hit command and drag. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Although, both the dock and the menu bar let you put a little remove thing to try to tell you if you like over here, it will remove it. But in my thing, I decided, hey, if you drag this thing off and you let go of it, that's just like you cancel the drag. Like, and of course, you can actually hit the escape key and cancel the drag, right? And so if you're if you're shuffling it around, like, all right, I'm moving it from the top. I'm now in position two, position three, position four, position five, and everything a little shuffling out of the way, like kind of like it does when you rearrange stuff in the dock, right? And then you drag it off to the side. You're like, ah, never mind. And you just chuck it on your desktop or wherever, right? That cancels the drag. One of the features that SwiftUI does not have is a callback for when a drag has been canceled. It's got a callback for when a drag starts. It's got a callback for when it ends. It's got a callback for when a drag enters a region, when a drag exits a region, when it is performs drag successfully, it does not have a callback for drag has been canceled. Just doesn't have that API yet. So what do you do? Because huh. I have to know when the drag has been canceled because I got to put it back where it was. Right. Right. And so that you have to come up weird. with you have to come up with create. And why doesn't it have that? Because it's, it it's, it's, I was going to say is it's it, a young API. Well, is SwiftUI did it originally come around for iOS and watch stuff? I feel like. Yeah, it started on the watch where obviously you're not really dragging stuff around. Right, so, right. But it, it started very simple. Like it had very mm-hmm. simple functions. It wasn't, you know, it was just on the watch. Like on the Mac, a lot of the times you feel like this is an API that doesn't understand the Mac or whatever. And it's its suite of drag and drop functionality is not as rich as AppKit is, right? Yeah. So I had to find a creative solution for that. It's like, well, I don't know when the drag was canceled, but what is true of a canceled drag? And can I do, can I, you know, figure out if, if I... I had already done some other hacks because their button class wasn't working for me. Could it watch for the escape key, for example? Well, yeah, but then you have to know, like, if they just type the escape key, like, what does that mean? You know, is that you can cancel the drag by dropping it somewhere as well, and the escape key isn't involved there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so, fig- so what'd you do? What'd you end up doing? I figured it out. Like, I had I had done other hacks um, because the the Swift uh, Swift UI button class did not have enough features for me to do what I wanted, so I had to not make my things buttons, and I had to reimplement buttons, and I already reimplemented this like mouse tracking modifier so i have more awareness of where the mouse is and isn't wow and so i can i mean that's all they're doing behind the scenes anyway is they're tracking where the mouse is and they're saying hey you release the mouse you 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 grab something you put down Mm -hmm. the mouse button the drag began but then when you released it you were not floating over a valid destination and if you release the mouse button over a non-valid destination i will consider that a cancel and i will make my own cancel call for example if you try to drag if you grab something and try to drag it onto say a locked volume or drag it onto the menu bar. If you drag a JPEG file into your menu bar, that doesn't mean anything. 
you'll just see the, I don't know what everybody's animation, but normally then you see the icon kind of fly back yeah, to where you back, started. Right. That's yeah, the, that, yeah. the drag cancel. And, and to SwiftUI's credit, it does the bounce back animation, but I have to actually tell my application to stick it back where it was because it may have been moved. All those transient places where it was, it was moved, right? I got to put it back where it originally right. came from. So I do, SwiftUI does have a drag began notification. So I can say when the drag begins, note of where it, where it was. The original position was position two. And then if the drag completes, I put it in the new position. But if the drag is canceled, I put it back where it went. And cancel drag is you started a drag, then you release the mouse button, and you weren't over a valid drag destination. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I will look up if I knew had an original location. And you know, it's like, and if there was a callback, this would have been way easier because I already had you know handlers for all the other phases. But there wasn't a callback, so I kind of had to make my own. And that's the type of thing that you, you know that frustrates people. That's like this right, should be right. straightforward. AppKit has it. Why doesn't SwiftUI have it? And like next year, it probably will. I mean, next year, what's going to happen, I hope, is that SwiftUI will have like a collection view, which basically is just like, hey, you got a bunch of items and you can rearrange them. And all this work I've done would have been for nothing because that would have all been that's all baked into the API. Yeah, because, you know, yeah. UIKit has that. AppKit has it. SwiftUI right. doesn't. So I've I've done a tremendous amount of work half-assed re-implementing a crappy version of a collection view. And then when SwiftUI gets a collection view, I'll throw out all that code and say, guess what? It's just a collection view. Done. Mm-hmm. I kind of um i don't know but the transitive property like i guess somebody that i was talking to ran into this today and long story short <clears throat> friend of the show uh sean hussey was saying like hey is there anything <clears throat> is there anything i can get that'll work with HomeKit where i just hit a button and something in HomeKit happens and i was happy to say uh, yeah the eve button is pretty good uh we you know you get an eve button and it's a single button like is it a on button? The- i saw you post a picture that just looks like a flat looks like a, a hot plate for a, a very small person that's really like the Ikea kitchen where it makes the sizzle. Yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, but it's but a, it doesn't yeah, actually press, does it? I don't think so. I don't, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make a noise or anything. No, it's I like think a it's, capacitive touch button. I was, right? see, I was going to use that and I thought I was going to say the wrong thing. Anyway, you hit it once, it does a thing. You hit it twice, it does another thing. Long press does a third thing. And what I said to Sean, and I think a very, very good and succinct tweet was, yeah, Eve does this. It's got one touch, you know, one, you can do one, two, or long press. And then a trick that I swiped from some shovel blog that's brilliant is that, you know, you configure it in HomeKit. And there's probably not a lot of stuff in most of our listeners' lives that has this functionality. But in the case of this button, you know, how you can go, you, you, you bring up, you know, the information about a device and then an area you've probably never seen before, single click, double click, you know, long press. What do you want me to do? And you know, it's very sensible to go in there and click on all oh, for one press. I want to turn on the lights for double press. I want to turn off the lights. And then I don't know for, for long, for long press, maybe like turn my fans on. But what's amazing is hidden at the bottom of that functionality. If you go to one click and you see all your scenes, right? And I guess you can see devices, but no, you would go like, Oh yeah, pick this scene. That makes sense. But what's awesome. If you go all the way to the bottom and say, convert to shortcut, you can create a, a little shortcut inside of HomeKit and say, if, in my case, if this light is on, set the scene lights off. If this particular light is off, turn all the lights on with this certain scene. And so it's, I know this is real caveman stuff compared to what you're doing, but like, I thought that was so smart. You take a thing with a button that does, you know, single press, double press, triple press, but then you use the logic inside of HomeKit to do the heavy lifting such that you now have six functionalities. Really, it's a it's a toggle. Each one can be a toggle. And somebody who is like, this is cool, but like, isn't it, doesn't it seem nuts? 
<laughs> that's, that's not just easier to do. And I mean, that's pretty much how I feel about so much smart home stuff, including HomeKit, is like, it really feels like, I don't know, like somebody got classic Apple thing, like Apple TV, where like, did somebody just get bored with this and not come back to it? Like, uh, you know, you got this weird Catalyst app and it looks better on the beta, but it's mainly just, it kind of looks better. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just so many things you run into where like, I guess this isn't done yet. This, there's all this stuff that anybody who, let me put it this way, this is true for so many things, including Apple TV and including, I mean, think about how you feel. We talked about this on an episode. How do you feel about all the things you wish you could do with, you know, scrubbing, swiping to see which episode this is, all of these different things. Of course, it's implemented differently in every app because there's not a baked in easy way to do all the stuff effing anybody would want to do while they're watching something. Well, I don't need that. Anybody who uses this thing a lot would want this. It's, it's like, you know, it's like having a toilet that only flushes when you contact the help desk. Like there's all kinds of stuff where you're like, this should be, if not table stakes, at least like, you know, fairly mature. It's, it's, it's interesting that like what I run into with HomeKit and Apple TV, you're running into in some somewhat similar ways with developing this app. Well, SwiftUI is young. HomeKit, I guess, is young as well, but I think there are like problems on multiple levels with HomeKit because for even Abs- you know, absolutely, yeah, like the app, the, the app, the entire, uh, the entire stack has problems. I mean, Apple doesn't yeah. make Apple HomeKit stuff. There's great stuff out there, but like the stuff that people do make, like I like this is somewhat random, but Apple recently released that charger that comes with two USB C ports. Mm-hmm. I think it maxes out. I, I, I want to say 30 watts. 35 watts, yeah. Um, I just bought one from, I want to say Anchor. It's got two USB sorts, uh, uh, ports, and it's 70. And it's very clearly marked, as this is the one that goes up to 50, this is the one that goes up to 20. And like, it's not an answer to everything, but for like mm-hmm. a little easy, there's something very valuable to me for a variety of reasons about a charger that fits into a normal amount of plug space. It's not a big brick. It doesn't exceed its width. Like in our in our stupid the kitchen of our hovel, it's really beneficial for me to have something that fits into the little, for lack of a better word, a power strip that is powerful and flexible and fits into this normal area because we really, you know, I paid for all those pixels. I need every single one of those plugs. So they instantly lapped Apple on that. Well, you know, whatever. That's fine. I'm glad innovation continues. But yeah, it is it's a little frustrating sometimes when you I, and again, I, this really could almost be my T-shirt is like, if you use this as much as I do, you would see the limitations. And so when you're building the tools to make the tools, in this case, like the folks at Apple, um, do you think do you think that's just because it's young and they don't have the time and resources? Because it feels like SwiftUI is something they're really encouraging people to use. No, that's that, Apple's flat out said this is the future of making apps. Uh, it's just because it's young. It takes time to implement this but stuff. But that's like Joe Biden saying, go out and vote. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I understand that because you want everybody to vote. But like, uh, what about the people who already voted for you? What about can you can well, you go for, do for your API, job <laughs> for the API thing, though? Like there are the other APIs are still there and are going to be supported for many years. So it's not like you're actually stopped from doing it. It's just frustrating for developers. You want to jump on the new thing as soon as possible. And you when the new thing isn't ready. And so the new thing isn't quite ready yet. But part of the way the new <sighs> thing gets ready is by people trying to use it and then finding the pain points and reporting them to Apple. And then three years later, Apple addresses them and repeat the cycle. I'm excited that you're doing that. Do you think you'd want to work on that voice log app for me? Is that a thing you'd want to do? No, not at all. 
Not even a little bit. You, you say something, it captures a sentence, and then it writes that to a CSV where, you know, it's just, they're all too slow, John. The, I, the I, get e but that, I mean, that e this isn't the same as the E button. The E button just reminded me of like a, uh, a very complicated way for me to hear that, uh, that Siri hasn't heard back from my devices.